Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, issue 133. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3 and our next five issues are scheduled to be To the Moon, Borderlands 2, Burnout Paradise concludes our Burnout series, then it's the much-requested Banjo-Kazooie, and finally it's Tearaway. Well, finally in that run. Not finally. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> you can head to canarince.com for the full schedule, up to uh, issue 150 anyway. The blog and links to our merchandise store, our Facebook page, Google+, and YouTube channel. Please subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. So joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. And welcome back. It's been a while, Dan Clark. Hello there. I've been uh, looking forward down down forward to this. Yes, <laughs> the first of first of many of those. Uh, right now, uh, one thing I just wanted to cover off very quickly. Anyone who's tuning in expecting all of the Street Fighter ever, uh, that would be crazy. As I've said in previous podcasts, um, this feels crazy enough right now. Talking about the entire history of Street Fighter Two, because there's quite a lot of it. Um, but we aren't covering in this podcast Street Fighter Alpha, or the Zero series if you're Japanese, the EX series, although it will be mentioned. Uh, we're not talking about Street Fighter 3, any of those versions, even Third Strike or 4, uh, or the Versus series um, in this podcast. But we would love to, if this one goes all right, uh, to devote shows to at least some of those series uh, at a future date. Um, obviously, the next obvious one would probably be Alpha Zero or maybe 3. But uh, yes, we'll see. One day someday uh, now it wouldn't be cane and rinse i don't think if we didn't talk a little bit about the history of the genre in brief at least um this is uh often regarded street fighter 2 as the seminal game that built the modern fighting game genre but of course it wasn't the first fighting game not by a long chalk the first fighting game was by sega uh, so you could, Sega could stake a claim to uh, inventing the genre, and obviously they've had quite a lot of success with one franchise within it, but Heavyweight Champ was a boxing game uh, back in 76 when boxing was absolutely massive, of course, Muhammad Ali and all that was uh, around. Um, the series, the, the the genre, I suppose, as we know it, um, didn't really start to take shape until the uh, early mid-80s, though. And certainly the game that I always associate with kicking off the genre was uh, Data East's Karate Champ, also known as The Way of the Empty Hand uh, in Japan. That was 1984, and it was, um, it was controlled with twin sticks. Um, so it was, if anyone's played any of the old uh, fighting games from the era, 8-bit style, like The Way of the Exploding Fist or, or IK, International Karate will remember the the simple matter of uh, having an eight-way joystick and then pressing a button and that would produce a flying kick or a headbutt or a roundhouse or a sweep. There was none of this controller motion nonsense at this point, um, but there was quite a lot of depth. Um, now, I think, as usual, I'm the oldest one on this podcast, but does anyone... Uh, does it, has anyone ever played any of those um, sort of formative fighting games, the karate combat type games from the 80s? Karate Champ, definitely. Was it uh, up on both to do the flying kick? Probably, yes. Um, yeah, I, I remember finding that control system sort of so enjoyable. It was just so different to anything else at the time. Mm. Um, it was just sort of fun to find that machine and figure out what all the different combinations of the of the sticks would do and the, uh, mm. and the speech. That was... Um, Really it did have speech, speech, yes. Yeah, the, um, half point, red. That's the one, <laughs> yes. 
beautifully remembered. Yeah, it had the little dude who um, Archer McLean sort of fairly faithfully copied, and and uh, and the um, Melbourne House team that made Where the Exploding Fist also had a little, you know, sort of sensei. Um, I guess inspired by the Karate Kid kind of guy, a sort of. A, f- a f- mustachioed figure calling out the the scores and things like that. With Melbourne House being an Australian developer, I wonder if yes. um, Way of the Exploding Fist, or if they knew Karate Champ as Way of the Empty Hand, and it was kind of a nod to that, maybe. Ah, possibly so. Possibly so. Uh, there was also um, a sort of more progressive, an early progressive uh, beat 'em up was Karateka by Jordan Mechner, who went on to make Prince of Persia, of course. Uh, now Shanghai Kid. This is one I don't know much about. Dan? Uh, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about it. I mean, it's a, it's, there's a series of them, actually. Um, mm. But it's the first fighting game to feature combos as such. Now, right. it's not as we'd know them today. It's a bit like in the Street Fighter Alpha series, where you've got the custom combos. Yes. Um, so this comes up, it says rush on the screen, and then you tap in a load of buttons, and then it will <laughs> do all the moves in one go afterwards. That's almost like a QTE, a proto-QTE, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little like that. And um, it also had special moves, which Wikipedia suggests is the first fighting game to feature special moves. Now, okay. um, I can't think of any before that, so yeah, we'll go with it. Yep, well, this uh, that's definitely a couple of years before, um, before the original Street Fighter. Uh, another game. Now I do remember this uh, this one much better was Yi Kung Fu. Um, this was by Konami, another of the, the arcade giants of the day in 1985. And this was perhaps the first one that I remember to have distinctive, uh, varying character types and also projectiles, um, which is obviously a key thing about Street Fighter. So uh, in this game, you you uh, played as a you know a uh, a white suit clad. Um, Kung Fuist, um, obviously Bruce Lee films and uh, was still kind of resonant at this point from the uh, 70s, I guess. Um, and the Kung Fu TV series was popular as well. And it was this idea of taking this lone, you know, noble warrior and kicking kicking the butt of colourful uh, characters. And in Yeo Kung Fu, it, it was it had different stage backdrops, um, and people would use rice flails and throw shuriken at you and things like this. <laughs> Dan, do you remember that one? Uh, yeah, I remember the Spectrum game more than the arcade yes, version, actually. it was very popular, yeah. I think yeah. the Spectrum game was considerably easier. Um, you can get the... Well, you could... You used to be able to get uh, Yi Kung Fu as a plain ROM on Xbox Live Arcade when that sort of thing went on. I don't know if it's still available, but if it is, it would be very cheap. I think most of those have been taken down, though, sadly. Um now, obviously, Street Fighter Two became a phenom, um, and uh, the franchise has shifted like thirty million units or something. I don't even know if that's just Street Fighter Two or all the Street Fighters, but it's tens of millions. That's what you need to know. And of course, after then, there are countless clones, uh, many of which are great games in their own right that would deserve their own canes and rinses. But um, I think some of the most significant ones, the ones that people remember, well, I guess first up. Um, Dan reminded me of this one as well. This was probably uh, SNK's answer to the original Street Fighter, which we will talk about briefly in a minute. Street Smart in 1989. Yeah, now, this was, uh, wasn't was a hugely popular game, but it did get a Mega no. Drive release. Um, and I do remember seeing it in arcades over here. But, yeah. but the thing this is memorable for is that the combo system is part of normal gameplay. So unlike the other one we mentioned, where it's kind of, like you say, like QTEs, mm. this you can sort of run on your normal moves, like a punch into a kick into a sweep or that kind of thing and that uh, and that predates Capcom even doing that by, by accident, accident yeah. <laughs> uh, because Street Street Fighter 1 did not uh, f- facilitate that at all 
Um, so obviously SNK um, ended up with some of Capcom's key staff and went on to produce Fatal Fury and The Art of Fighting and World Heroes, all of which were you know very similar to Street Fighter 2 in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, I don't know if it, it may have been in at the early stages of development, but Mortal Kombat certainly came out um, from midway in uh, probably about a year and a half after Street Fighter 2, maybe two years nearly. Um, Yu Suzuki has admitted that although um, he uh, he was already making Virtua Fighter, he undoubtedly uh, was influenced by um, Ryu making you know looking like Akira and uh, and the general you know feel of uh, of Virtua Fighter in some ways. And um, you know he 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 actually has you know gone on record on video as saying that he believes that Street Fighter Two is a more important fighting game than Virtua Fighter in that respect which is quite something from you know because a lot of people would say that the Virtua Fighter series from 2 onwards uh, is you know one of the most deep and technical games around Interestingly uh, um, with regard mm. to Yu Suzuki one of the early games he worked on at Sega was um, Black Belt on the Master System ah, of which course. at the end of the scrolling levels had a uh, against the bosses it was a one-on-one fighting game like you the sprites became there were different sprites you got larger versions of the sprites right um and that had, although you didn't have special moves yourself, the bosses all had their own yeah. special moves. And uh, that's from, I think, 86 or 87. So. Yeah, there you go. Fantastic. Uh, there was Fighter's History by Data East. Now, this was one that I think Capcom at least threatened to take. Uh, was it Data East? I think so. Yeah, it was, yeah. to, to take them to court over this one because it was such a, such a blatant, flagrant um, clone. I'm not sure what happened. And then, of course, there were there were many, 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 many home clones trying to cash in. But the the two that always uh, seemed to crop up there was Eternal Champions yeah. on the Mega Drive, Sega uh, Sega in house uh, product. I think it was Sega of America, possibly. Yeah, I'm not was, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Sega Tech, the one that Sega Technical Institute or whatever. They call okay. Them. Yeah. Uh, you, Sean, you made a yeah noise. <laughs> well, here's you, the thing. I, I, from what I can tell, it's like it's now considered to be a really bad game. Is that is that true? <clears throat> sort of, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it uh, has a cult fan base of sorts. Yeah. there's a lot of people that still keep clamoring for a sequel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not quite like Shenmue. No, but, yeah. yeah. I just, I just remember playing the hell out of it on both uh, Genesis and Sega CD. So the CD te- versions, I think, stands up a little better. It's um, it was technically flash, wasn't it? And it was a large cartridge, which enabled them to have a lot of animations. Mm. I think it impressed on that level. Um, and on the Amiga, for, for probably mostly for us Europeans, there was uh, Team Seventeen. Um, well, they made a they made a budget game. Their first release was a was a fighting game called Full Contact. Um, when they went from being a, a demo studio to to a publisher, um, but after that they followed up with Body Blows, which at the time seemed great. Um, but <laughs> it's probably it's not. <laughs> no, uh, I think everything about it was was you know a horrible clone of of Street Fighter. But I had some fun with it with my friends, so I guess I shouldn't knock it too much. But I think if you looked at it now, it would be laughable. Um, but that series went on to have several follow ups, um, including a CD version with every character from from the galactic version as well and uh, yeah um but time has forgotten probably uh, many many more street fighter clones than than it remembers um so capcom's history of course this was actually uh, you know relatively early in their life they only formed as a as a capsule computers as a as a coin up maker in 1983 
um, and obviously had had massive hits with the likes of 1942, Commando, Ghosts and Goblins, Sidearms, um, which there's, I mean, there's probably links with all of these, uh, with the team who went on to make the Street Fighter games, um, and Bionic Commando, of course, which we've seen rebooted more recently. Um, and their 18th coin-op on their CPS-1 system, which had a, a bizarre resolution um, of 256 by 384 pixels, meaning that uh, pixels were taller than they were wide rather than square, uh, was Street Fighter, Street Fighter 1 in August 1987. Now, I remember this appearing in Brighton in West Street, uh, where I, you know, I spent quite a bit of time. I was uh, 15 at this point, so I was able to go into town regularly, play arcade games on my own, and um, the sort of the progressive scrolling beat 'em up genre was well underway. You had Double Dragon and Crime Busters. No, maybe that was a bit later, but various games uh, that followed Kung Fu Master. Um, and this one was a one-on-one fighter and it didn't really appeal to me but it caught the eye because it was housed in this enormous cabinet had an enormous monitor probably not by today's standards but by those uh, by that, that time standards an enormous CRT and it had two buttons per side but these buttons were like huge raised rubber clad springy lumps they were a bit like um, what you'd imagine skateboard pads for your knees to look like but um, <laughs> yeah. squishy versions so this, they decided, Capcom, in their wisdom, and somehow this had got through, you know, site testing and uh, all that sort of thing, that rather than, uh, to, well, to facilitate the sixth strengths of attack that you famously have in a Street Fighter game, uh, jab, strong, fierce, short, medium, roundhouse, um, they would let you punch a button or press a button to the appropriate strength while playing. Um of course, this meant for a few months that the arcade rang to the sounds of people smashing the <laughs> heck out of these out of these poor machines, these lovely fascias. And um, there were, I remember, the um, rubber on these buttons being melted by cigarettes. Of course, back in mm-hmm. those days, and it, with the with the workings exposed, um, and it it was a strange old time. But most arcade operators that I remember um, pretty much had those ripped out and and replaced them with six buttons. Well, it's a big square of metal underneath, so I remember like rumours at the time that people were getting electrocuted by um, <laughs> the rubber pad going through, and I'm sure it can't be true, because A, you've got the rubber there, and yeah. they're not going to have electricity rooted through to it, but I remember that being a rumour for why it was changed at the time, that, oh yeah, people are smacking the metal thing with their hands and getting electrified. You can certainly give yourself a nasty gash on, on some exposed wiring or something, yeah. I reckon. Um, I don't think it was safe, and it, and it just, you know, it generally got all the, you know, pumped up arcade lads of the 80s, <laughs> smacking the heck out of <laughs> Uh, and then they probably move on to the next game and, and carry the control method over. Uh, not a good idea. Um, but as regards to playing the game, I think I barely tried it once or twice. Um, now, the thing about the first Street Fighter, uh, who's, it was directed by Takashi Nishiyama, who had worked on a game which I loved, which was uh, IREM's Kung Fu Master, or Spartan X, to give it, give it its original Japanese name from IREM. Um, Again, a lot of people remember it was a sort of Bruce Lee type scenario where you had to rescue a princess from a tower and uh, you walked scroll- scrolling levels and you had baddies coming from uh, front and behind you and you had a high kick and a punch uh, and you could do a squat kick as well. It was a cool game. Um, I had no idea that he made this Street Fighter game, but Street Fighter was really, really um, 
it was really exacting with its controller inputs. This was the, the probably the biggest difference, as well as it obviously not having a lot of the features that they brought into Street Fighter 2 and beyond. It was really, really difficult to actually do any of the cool moves. So consequently, you just... My experience was I would try to play it, I would get kicked in, I wouldn't do anything that looked cool, and so I wouldn't want to play it again. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair, fair um, assumption of it, yeah. Do you remember it? Anyone remember Street Fighter 1? Josh, you weren't born yet, I know. No, I wasn't alive. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was five years old when it came out, so... Yeah. Um, there were there were some uh, various home ports, most of which were absolutely spectacularly abysmal. Like way worse than even the slight, the disappointing and difficult coin op. Um, I think there was a good version of the PC engine called Fighting Street. Yeah, that's which I used sounded to be like quite a clone. Jealous of that when I was a kid, seeing that in CVG. Because yeah, um, I don't know if it's maybe arcade goers in Essex were a little more sort of fighty. But I remember there being <laughs> quite the buzz around this game. And um, yeah, like yeah, the first time I saw someone do a fireball, mm. that blew my mind because I didn't know that was in the game. I played it quite a. Not quite, well, yeah, quite a lot, I suppose, compared to yourself. Right. Um, right. I quite enjoyed it, even with the big sort of thumpy pads, but obviously preferred it when they brought in the buttons. But I saw someone pull off with the pads a fireball, and okay. um, uh, there was like a crowd around the arcade, and everyone was like, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> like a little yeah. piece of magic there and then. No, there definitely was a bit of a scene around it. It wasn't It wasn't one of the major, major players in, in the arcades of Brighton, but it certainly got it got an audience partly because of those punch pads i mean maybe that's that was the sort of um the weighing things up um you know from capcom's point of view that even if it didn't serve the gameplay the best in some ways it would create a sort of fairground experience like one of those you know test your strength punch machines mm. kind of thing um so it was as much of a spectacle as it was a technical fighter but the fact that it was so difficult to input your like your fireball motion and stuff um just yeah i think put a lot of people off uh so um and uh, but interestingly nishiyama um he was one of the key people who left before uh, street fighter 2 i think left capcom uh, to head over to snk great rivals um worked on fatal fury and and i'm sure others um the fatal fury series of course ended up being this uh, great thing with garou mark of the wolves as you know like one of the most highly regarded fighting games of the 90s um and then of course he set up dimps and what do they make now they make Street Fighter Four, uh, <laughs> so that kind of that kind of whole thing came full circle rather beautifully. Now, yeah, something else uh, worth mentioning. Um, I'd managed to almost get this out of my head. Uh, the horror. Um, not only were there bad actual ports of uh, Street Fighter, but there was a, a, a sort of home spin-off, um, probably by US Gold, if I it recall. It was, yeah, with yes. pro- programmed by Teartex. Teartex, who <laughs> responsible for many um, non-arcade perfect conversions, such as Strider uh, and, and and others, um, and Human Killing Machine. Well, it was almost billed as Street Fighter Two in the Spectrum magazines of the time. Yes, uh, it was as if this was the legitimate sequel. Uh, it wasn't yeah. until like Street Fighter Two came out that I realised, oh, hang on, that wasn't <laughs> actually Street Fighter Two. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, I remember it was there was a period um, back in the back in the early nineties when they uh, a lot of the magazine publishers started giving away old full games on magazine covers. It became a whole big thing, and in the end, they had to put a put a stop to it. But it, it was the first period that's rather like now, where where games companies are just throwing games at you the whole time for free. Um, Human Killing Machine was was one of those, um, and I loaded it 
and I never loaded it again. That was <laughs> a- absolutely uh, just, it was just so poor. Uh, even, you know, even compared to the other things that were around, and, you know, Body Blows uh, was a work of genius compared to Human Killing Machine. Um, but it started something off. It, it featured, as I say, it featured those fireballs. Um, it featured Ryu and Ken. Um, and I think some other characters who have since returned to the series. I'm not an expert on Street Fighter 1, but I think Birdie was in it. Yep, and um, Gen, Jen. Jen, of course, yeah. Um, but I think generally it was, uh, it was, I think it did, obviously it did how the cabinet supported two players, but I remember people being more interested in, I guess that scene just hadn't built up then. I, I didn't see so many people playing each other as kind of, you know, watching each other try to get through the game try to beat that first person <laughs> yeah yeah totally the speech was uh, quite interesting in its garbled weirdness yes uh, 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 <laughs> when you lost the fight it's like uh, something about there are many guys like you all over the world <laughs> um, it's really <laughs> really odd game but I think people like speech back then seemed to be sort of a driver almost for sales like um, yeah yeah he used to get it as a sort of box quote, like feature sampled speech mm. or digitised speech. Um, Absolutely, yeah, no, it was it was a big deal. I mean, arcade games had had it for longer, of course, um, going back to things like Gorf, but um, and Sinistar, but um, uh, particularly if you could get speech in a home version. I remember there being a huge thing about trying to get the speech from Gauntlet into the home versions, which in the end didn't mm-hmm. happen. Um, yeah, uh, but certainly, yeah, a lot of people's memories of of being at an arcade at that point will be the sound of uh, Hadouken and uh, and probably uh, Mad Gear's laugh at the start of Final Fight as well. That ha 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 that thing. Rich Hoyle uh, has supplied us with some excellent uh, stuff from Remember. He's a he's a big Street Fighter fan, um, known as Dom's Beard. More often, um, we'll be hearing from him throughout the podcast. He's uh, posted on the forum. He says, "I remember the original Street Fighter being in my local arcade in the late '80s. It was pretty forgettable, and a two-player game was pretty much decided by whoever got the Dragon Punch in first. A rich friend of mine had a PC Engine with a copy of this uh, Fighting Street, which must have cost a fortune back then." Uh, yeah, it was import only the PC Engine, the NEC console. It was a it was an eight bit machine, but it had a sixteen bit graphics chip. I think something like that. It was it was home to really good conversions of R type and things like that. Um, he must have been quite he, a rich friend um, because it, it actually required the CD ROM add on as well, didn't it? So it did. Was it yeah CD only? That's yeah. insane, isn't it? So after that, um, having had sort of, I think it was, rel- it, it, you know, I don't think Street Fighter lost the money and I don't think it was considered a disaster, but it, n- neither was it, um, you know, like the, the phenomenon that the sequel became. But it did well enough um, in, in their next run of games. Capcom made uh, Forgotten Worlds and Ghouls and Ghosts, Strider, UN Squadron. These were, you know, these were some of the highlights of late 80s arcades. Um, and uh, But then they started work on their own progressive brawler or scrolling beat-em-up um, inspired mainly by uh, Double Dragon 2 The Revenge um, and Final Fight was indeed known as Street Fighter 89 um, throughout a lot of its development Final Fight of course is a game that could definitely have its own <laughs> show um, and, and the sequels um, but many of the team who worked on, on Final Fight uh, went on to work on Street Fighter II The World Warrior, which hit arcades in February 1991, when I was 19 years old. <laughs> so uh, the producer on this one was, uh, by all accounts, an eccentric, possibly slightly crazed character called Yoshiki Okamoto. 
um, who was notorious for being a kind of rebel to his employers and generally a bit, you know, kind of, you couldn't, What's the word? He was he was like a loose cannon, I suppose. Well, like herding cats, it seems, from reading the sort of development. Yeah. So he'd worked at Konami previously. Now, th- this is something I've, I'm so happy to have learned just doing the research for this podcast. He worked on uh, two games, one of which I absolutely loved, um, Time Pilot, which is a, uh, a scrolling um, 360-degree sort of scrolling uh, shoot-em-up. Um, he also worked on Gyrus, which is kind of um, variant of Tempest. Um, but yeah, two you know shoot 'em ups from that era, the early '80s, um, and then yeah, ended up at Capcom. And I think part I think he suggests he was fired from Konami for not doing what his bosses told him, um, which you know I think a lot of times in from what I've heard about the business culture of Japan would be something that would probably make you you know somewhat unemployable mm-hmm. but i guess his talent spoke for themselves um a, a team was assembled uh, th- from various um you know of, of these capcom coin ops inclu- including akira nishitani who uh, of course this was the period we talked about this before with mega drive games where a lot of japanese developers for some reason wanted to keep all their staff anonymous um so tax. he was just tax reasons <laughs> possibly he was known as nin nin um, he, of course, went on to form the uh, the company Arika, who were responsible for the Street Fighter EX series, uh, Street Fighter's first delve into polygons, I think. Um, and Akira Yasta Akiman, who uh, stayed with the company for, for a long time and worked on lots of the Street Fighter follow-ups, the Zero games, the Street Fighter 3, and Power Stone as well, which is another game that I, I love. Um, now, I have to confess, I... I have less of a memory of Street Fighter 2 arriving in the arcades mm. of Brighton, like that actual mm. moment when you went... Because I used to go, you know, all the time I would walk into an arcade. If a new machine was there, I would play it. I would see what it was about. If there was a crowd around it, I'd know there was something cool going on. Street Fighter 2 just seemed to kind of boom, land overnight, and every, it was ubiquitous instantly. Mm. Um, and suddenly everyone was playing it. And I think I, initially I didn't pay it much mind because I hadn't got on with Street Fighter and I was still quite happy playing IK Plus on my Amiga and, and this looked complicated six buttons you know this wasn't the first coin up to have this many buttons I mean Asteroids and Defender and things decade before had loads of buttons but I always found that really you know off-putting intimidating mm. so I think it took me a while what about you fellas memories of early- similar memories to that actually I was uh, I guess nine uh, when it came out and had, had like stuff like Gauntlet and uh, Smash TV already been out by then? In our case, Gauntlet was mid eighties. Yeah. Smash TV was yeah, and Smash TV was the year before. Street yeah, Fighter. I, I remember those were my two go tos uh, when yeah. I would go to the arcade and top down yeah, stuff. Yeah, basically. And um, I just remember like eventually like I would keep going and just like a bigger and bigger crowd would be around this one machine. And I was like, "What is that over there?" So I eventually would like I was super small, so I would like kind of huddle in the corner. While watching these guys go at it, and then everybody just like the whole uh, uh, frenzy that would happen every time you know somebody would win, it was just always so crazy. So, but yeah, very similar. Yeah. I just kind of came out of no, I had no idea about it. So it was fun. Was this in um, Philadelphia? Yep, Northeast Philadelphia. This old arcade called Champions, which is now a uh, cheesesteak restaurant. But oh. yeah, yeah, I used to go there all the time. So so much fun. Early memories, Dan of um. I checked out the dates and I look, it looks like I played this very, very early on. Now that sounds like I'm being a hipster about it, but, um, we used to go on holiday to Torquay every Easter. 
All right. Um, and I've checked the date. So this was like late March 91, uh, which is about seven weeks after the Japanese release. Right. So, um, I, God knows how this arcade got a, a machine that quick. I think they did when there was, I think you're, you're absolutely right. When there was a huge buzz around a game, like there obviously was, there, it, this had obviously been an instant smash in the game centers of Tokyo and, and, you know, wherever. I think arcade operators, even in places like Torquay, would get wind of that because, you know, their distributors would be like, you need to get this machine in while it's hot kind of thing. Yeah. But having known, um, I've worked in shipping and knowing how long <laughs> it takes a container to get from Japan to here and how long before you have to book it and all that kind True. of stuff. Yeah. Um, it just seems fascinating that the arcade operators and their distributors were so on point with, with that kind of thing at the time. Um, but yeah, I was, um, I didn't have any friends with me because it was a family holiday, but I just found the machine. No one was playing it. It was kind of tucked away. It wasn't like flagged up as, right. like, you know, when they had the like new machine sign above yes, the little God, star yeah, on yeah, top. Yeah. Um, but this didn't have, have anything like that. Um, <laughs> but obviously remembered Street Fighter and thought, well, I'll give it a go. And there were all the special moves around the, uh, the marquee. And, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, all the decals <laughs> and stuff. And again, that was almost intimidating, like you say. It was, uh, but that made me want to play. It was like, so, Hang on, like what? All of these moves for all of these characters, I couldn't quite get my head around it. It was all a bit, yeah, um, sort of dizzying. Uh, oh, very good, yeah, very yeah. good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think other things put as well as the intimidation factor. Um, it yeah. took me a while. I remember actually finally sort of um, giving it a go. In there, there was a, a little that, one of those sort of um, amusements type places along from where I work, but it was mainly fruit machines with a few coin-ops arcade machines video games and um and there was a street fighter 2 in there and it was somewhere where i could play it where no one was watching because yeah. it wasn't very busy <laughs> during the day um and i finally you know sort of plucked up the courage i think i'd started to get wind of the buzz from the probably cmvg and things like that um and i remember thinking i, I remember fighting dalsim on on the uh you know, on the India stage, and and those elephants were so loud. You know, it was absolutely ratcheted up. It's still, right, I'm still playing um, hyper. You know, hyper fighting on uh, on 360 now. That elephant stage is so sort of ear shredding. Um, and I th- like, I didn't. I understood that there was this buzz around certain moves that you could do, um, hurricane kicks and dragon punches, and I'd heard of all this stuff. Um, but you know younger listeners will have to appreciate there was no internet at this point uh, in any meaningful sense and this was all word of mouth stuff and in the busy arcades people were teaching each other moves or or, or hiding them people were watching for you know to try and work out what others were doing some of the machines had the basic special moves as you say as in, in you know around the bezel or on the marquee um, and I just remember doing uh, down and uh, hard punch I think I only started just by using the hard hard buttons mm. you know the, the the strongest ones because the thought what's of, the point in using the weaker ones yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah um i just did down and punch and went yes i've done a dragon punch i thought that was it i thought just yeah. d- uh, i thought down and fierce was a dragon punch because all i'd seen was still pictures and it looked the animation looked like it could have been from the same sequence so yeah um that's how it started for me but yes i stayed with ken <laughs> pretty much forever <laughs> i use blanker now sometimes but yeah um but yeah, talking about that audio, it was so absolutely um, iconic of the time. And yeah, those elephants were the sound of the arcade. Um, and Hadouken, 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 you know, just over and over again. Um, it was cacophonous almost. Absolutely. I, I, can, I can imagine it now, like, say, a, a bank of like five machines all going at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the bashing of the buttons. I can imagine that sort of sound. You can yeah. feel it yeah. in your mind. It's- you can still get it if you go to, you know, Tokyo Akihabara game centers that's still kind of going on because you know and they still have you'll still find like a hyper 
Street Fighter 2 machine and a third strike and you know all that and obviously you know, and they have them in a row but they're facing each other as they do over there um, but over here no that's um, you know I, th- I think you know, you'd, you'd need to get involved in the competitive tournament mm-hmm. scene to, to get that whole vibe but there is the the set I mean it's an arcade thing generally for, to those of us who grew up with it the smell and sounds of the <laughs> arcade are irreplaceable that the sound like I still love just the sound of using my TE stick to play anything just because it sounds like an arcade you know just the the clicks of the buttons and the, and the stick I'm not sure if they're still online but there's a great set of field recordings uh that a guy recorded in various arcades. Yes, yes. Um, I, I'm sure they're still available, and that's got some of the noises that you're talking about, like the elephants. You can hear those coming through in the background and what have you. Yeah, it's like um, hours of ambient Google. arcade yeah. noise. Yeah, really cool. If only you could create the smell. You need yeah, um, you need cigarettes. cigarettes yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> carpet. Capstan Royals. That's what. You're <laughs> Um, now, Josh, I was interested. Um, forgive, forgive us, listeners, for Josh is probably like to be quieter than than usual on this podcast <laughs> because you know he's put himself forward for Street Fighter. But of course, he was barely born when the first one came out. So I'm actually interested. Have you ever played the original Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior? Uh, not- yeah, I have. Okay, um, in what form and and how and what did you make uh, of it? Um, well, it was many years after its release. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was in an arcade in Felixstowe. They just had a Street Fighter Two cabinet set up. Right. And I was like um, eleven at the time, and um, my yeah, my first experience of this game is just my brother doing the spinning kick with <laughs> Ryu over, over, over and over again. and over again, <laughs> nonstop, yeah. not giving me any chance to attack him whatsoever, and then me find. You, feeling i hated the game <laughs> for the longest time well interestingly the the, the mega drive port special champion edition <clears throat> gave you the option to turn special moves off i think exactly for that reason yeah yeah but um yeah so for the longest time i kind of just uh avoided street fighter just because i had such a early negative experience with it so a lot of my and we'll get onto this later so a lot of my uh experience of the game is with the uh you know, the turbo height, you know, PhD yeah. editions, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, um, it, it was very, <laughs> I don't know. I think for that age and, and the kind of games I was interested in at the time, um, it was a bit inaccessible for me because mm. all I wanted to do was just do the basic, like punching and kicking. Yeah. And my brother was already doing all the, uh, te- you know, super complex, um, you know, special moves and stuff. I was counting frames already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which is interesting because he's not really that interested in video games anymore. Mm. Um, whereas I've, you know, dived headfirst into them. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a really interesting experience because it was clear to me, even at that age, that there was a lot of depth. Uh, depth there but um yeah i just i wasn't interested in games that deep at that time so yeah i'm interested did you played any uh anything like you know going straight in to street fighter 2 may may have been less intimidating to you because you hadn't grown up with the you know eight-way joystick one button no special moves uh fighters that we had well mm. or me and dan had anyway um, was it like less of a less of a stretch for you to go? Okay, I've got six buttons with three strengths of punch and three strengths of kick, and some of these, you know, there's these weird, uh, you know, wrist movements I can do yeah. to get more out of it. Did it just seem to seem to make sense to you? Because to, to me, it was intim- it was intimidating. The, the, the the basics weren't intimidating at all, and I and I think that's because 
it's to do with what your you know your first gaming experience is and for me it was the playstation that the playstation one was kind of my formative yeah. uh uh, gaming uh, so you already had period eight, so i'd already buttons. had exposure yeah. to like lots of buttons on a yeah. controller anyway and i like my first fighting game was tekken 2 right so i i was already familiar with a lot of the basic yeah. concepts of street fighter 2 yeah just yeah the, the the more nuanced stuff is what uh i found um unaccessible hmm. So uh, another of the probably the most uh, iconic things about the original Street Fighter 2, the original Street Fighter 2 oxymoron, I know, but um, is uh, the music. Now, you couldn't always pick it out in the arcade because there were you know, four or five machines in a row, the clicking of the buttons, the sound of the Hadoukens. But still, Yoko Shimomura's uh, audio um, her themes for uh, particularly Ken, Ryu and Guile, perhaps, uh, are some of the most famous tunes in all of gaming and, and remain that. Yeah, Guile's theme goes with everything. So they say, yeah. yeah. Well, anything yeah. cool. Schindler's I mean, List. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She wrote all but three pieces uh, for Street Fighter Two, including all the famous character tunes, bar one, and that was Sagat's, uh, which was done by uh, Isao Abe, who came in uh, after she left for Square, and she went on to do sound for, I think, things like Mario, the original Mario RPG on the SNES, and things like that. She did the Breath of Fire games, which I guess is... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, which was for Capcom, so I'm guessing that's how she got into the RPG side of it with uh, Square Enix. Right, right. Or Squaresoft, yeah. sorry. Yeah, Squaresoft, as it was <laughs> then. Yeah. Um, and obviously these tunes have since been uh, remixed and arranged, as they call it, multiple times and put into Q sound and, and various things. But ultimately, when you play Street Fighter 4, the Ultra Street Fighter 4, as it is now, the latest version, you are still hearing Yoko Shimomura's tunes. Um, I say that one of them, I think it is Ken's tune, is, is very obviously a ripoff of uh, a tune by Cheap Trick. The, Mighty uh, Wings. Yeah, Mighty Wings by Cheap Trick. But, you know, everyone's got their influences anyway. Maybe it was just a massive accident. It's definitely worth a listen, though, if you haven't yeah. heard that comparison before. Yeah, it's, 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 it's almost as close as the Parappa the Rapper one we did with the, uh, with the Can song. It's interesting that she was considering it almost for Guile's stage, which would have fitted the Top Gun theme yeah. totally. I mean, Ken's almost does with the, the boat and what have you. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that actually you've, you've beautifully segued into another thing that was hugely appealing about the game, as well as the this sort of colourful array of characters. Um, you know, the obviously only eight to choose from at this point. Um, four bosses that you could fight but couldn't play as. You couldn't play a mirror match. You had to play Ryu versus Ken if you wanted to try to, um, you know, see if your skills were equal to a, to a friend's or an enemy's. Um, this uh, this idea, this, it, you know, this first game was, nobody ever calls it this, but it was Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior. It had this whole international theme. And part of the joy was going around all these, um, you know, these sort of imaginative, if not entirely always realistic or authentic backdrops. Um, this was quite, it made the game feel quite epic and big, where if they if it had just been another game where you were in front of first some trees and then an, and then a rock, you know. Dojo. <laughs> yeah, a dojo, yeah, that sort of thing. But the fact that you're in all these locales and they were, and the animation as well, I remember it was such a huge thing when they tried to bring uh, these fighting games into the home and the processing power required, you know, Capcom's 
CPS was designed to have a lot of stuff moving and it had these parallax floors. And getting all this stuff into home versions and home clones was really, really difficult. Rich Hoyle's back again, Dom's beard. He says uh, Street Fighter 2 came like a bolt out of the blue in the arcade, as back then most machines, including Capcom's own final fight, seemed to be coin guzzlers. It was 20p ago and I remember picking Ken as I knew he was a mirror of Ryu, but he was a bit more flash. Everyone back then seemed to be either Ken or Ryu, with the odd top players being Guile. E Honda or Zangief were too slow, Chun Li, Dalzim too weak, Blanka was a bit of a wild card, yet Guile with his sonic boom flash kick was probably the third most popular. I once got throttled by a guy in his thirties, I must have been about twelve or thirteen, after my Ken had beaten his Ryu seven times in a row. He was banned <laughs> after that. I pretty much spent every spare bit of pocket money I had each weekend playing Street Fighter 2. I used to get £2 on a Saturday, which would get me five plays at 20p a pop. Me and a friend would then buy a £1.99 Happy Meal and get two receipts to give our parents, as we were not allowed in the arcades, as it was a waste of money. This got more difficult when a new small arcade opened close to my home, which was next to the local shop and pub, so one of us had to keep an eye out for any parents on the way. (laughs) Ah, beautifully misspent youth. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I thought, you know, we ought to try and actually um, explain why we played it as as much as have much we did, you know, enough to want to be on this podcast, obviously, in the end, ultimately. Um, and further to that, why why it became such a huge thing, you know, by video game mm-hmm. standards. This was this was massive. What was it that made it so special? The only idea I have is that it was at least especially for me it was the first time that like competitive multiplayer was really a thing like um mm. you know we had stuff like as i mentioned earlier like something like smash tv where you could play together or stuff like that but there's always two player games even in you know home consoles and stuff like that but the first time i can remember like being versus somebody else especially when i was growing up was with street fighter 2 and that the whole just competitive scene you know, it was really what I think kind of boomed it, at least over here. Partly, it's due to the success, at least early on, is maybe due to the fact that um, our big magazines uh, on either side of the pond, EGM and uh, CMVG, picked up on the game very, very early on. Mm. Um, like uh, Computer and video games featured it on its cover like only a couple of months after the launch. Right. Um, and I think that got us talking about it at school in the, uh, until we could get on the summer holidays down to the arcades and, and actually play it for ourselves and... Uh, because I'd been, uh, I'd got there, and I'd been talking about the, a sequel to Street Fighter Two, and everyone's like, "It's like you know when someone says, oh, my uncle works for Nintendo.' They're bringing out like the <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo Twenty Eight, and it, it oh, felt yeah. a bit like that. Um, but then, yeah, there started to be sort of a, a wider buzz, even in the games media at the time. Which I don't know, I hadn't seen something. It was a bit. It was the time of the event movies like Batman and Jurassic Park, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was the first game that I saw sort of pick up on that sort of cross media vibe like the um was it nintendo magazine system gave away say badges for street fighter 2 and things like that i think it was um yeah not even i don't think it was capcom's idea that that happened it seems quite sort of organic and natural yeah, yeah. but um yeah it it was what we put there wasn't another game i'd go to the arcades and play but this one i used to seek out in you knew which chip shops had it you knew which leisure centers had it and you knew which versions they had yeah, I think it's just a it's ubiquity and b just the fact that it's a very good game. Yeah, I think for me it was it was a combination of factors and it still is. It's why I still love playing Street Fighter and actually, you know, before for for preparation for this podcast, I've been back to both 
Street Fighter 2 hyper fighting on, on Xbox 360 which is just the, the straight it's a fairly straight emulation not perfect but decent enough of the original uh, Turbo coin-op and HD remix and I've finished them I've done something at the age of nearly 42 that I've never done before which is I've completed those games on the hardest difficulty setting which is something I could never do back in the day and actually playing them again still just playing mostly single player although I've been playing a bit of Street Fighter 4 online again recently with the new version um, I've kind of fallen back in love again with it just like I had a real I've, it's not like I've ever fallen out but I've just had a real reappreciation for what I like about it and it is it is the kind of marriage of I think Street Fighter 2 even though like the character art on the on the select page on the on the original World Warriors coin I think is, yeah. is terrible um, but they it was it was the backdrops in the game and the animation that started giving me even though I'd already been into video games for a long time at this point you know more than a decade maybe nearly 15 years I hadn't quite had that real appreciation for sprite art and and the skill that went into animating these characters um and the backdrops as well was, was an inspiration and there was just something cool I just like the imagination that had gone into instead of just having eight you know, sort of different blokes wearing karate pajamas. You had a green dude with with crazy, oh, yeah. a feral green dude, and and a stretchy yogi, and these mysterious boss characters with magic powers, and even the regular mm-hmm. karate dudes could throw stuff. But then on top of that, you've got the actual the fact that yes, you know, boring thing to say, but games of Street Fighter Two competitively are like a really complex really fast pace, fast paced game of mm-hmm. chess or rock yep. paper scissors and then add into that the fact that the actual just the you know talk about the feel of a game the feel of really catching someone in street fighter like they've had lots of different sound effects and some versions have nailed it better than others because the sound is is i think is quite crucial but i still feel even going back to the old versions with their you know 16 bit type graphics actually catching someone even with like a jab dragon punch like at that last <laughs> split second before you know they're going to finish you off it's still to me it still feels mm-hmm. amazing like seeing them arcing in the air in slow motion and going through that animation cycle where they flip from you know first you see mm-hmm. they're kind of wincing and then they you know it's only like four maybe four frames of animation in the in the early games and then they you know tilt over onto their back and then bounce on the floor in slow-mo it is so good it still <laughs> yeah. feels so great especially on the harder settings when you know that you've mm-hmm. never done it before and and you're talking about sound um i know like games have done this like you know even going back to mario probably even earlier than that but like you know how uh in street fighter when you get an enemy or the other opponent uh down to really low health and the music really kicks in real fast and starts like you know just amping up real yeah. fast that always gets me like super hyped up either or either depending on which side of the coin you're on you know if you're on the opposing mm. side you're like oh my god no 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 no. but if you're on the fighting side you're like yeah yeah, yeah i got him i got him <laughs> it helped out a lot i dread to think you know thinking about the systems of of the modern games the very you know various meters and and uh, extra mechanics and and the incredibly large roster of ultra like the fact that i found at the you know the age of 19 i found the ca- a roster of eight with two special moves each intimidating <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah it's just amazing and then now you get games with like 60 plus yeah well the the ultra roster is i think 40 odd now i'm not sure mm. but you know and they're still balanced you know it's still getting balanced was there um i meant to ask you this leon mm. um but another thing about the buzz i think is the sort of urban mythology of it yeah um like i'm sure we're going to come to some later with talking about sort of magazine uh 
sorry, with magazine pranks and what have you. Yes. Um, but then I remember there being talk of being able to control the bosses, even back from Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior. <laughs> like talk of there being codes that you could put in, which obviously yeah. there aren't. That we know there aren't. But yeah, there were there were there were glitched versions you could do on the home version on the SNES home version of World Warrior with an action replay type thing. You could yeah, that wasn't quite right though. No, it wasn't. Like, no, yeah. it was broken. But yeah. but that was the start of that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, we'll we'll come on to sort of how development was influenced by by bootlegs and stuff before before we get on to that. Um, now I don't I I'm now at this point where I'm confused as as to which games had which um, stages, but uh, bonus stages are, were a thing as well, which I've never quite <laughs> understood why they're in there. I guess it's just to break up, mm. just to break things up. But like you can even play the the barrels and car crushing stage now in the in the latest Street Fighter 4 uh, versions as as just a sort of standalone high score attack game which is kind of weird it's also um, a minute just to practice the moves if you don't know what's going on yeah true true um, and there's been various ones of those you could go into the minutiae of how they've changed between different versions so like the, the exploding the flaming barrels in the original coin up between became a brick wall for the home versions um, and the brick wall was different colours in different <laughs> versions and things like that as real trivia for you um, another thing I wanted to mention as well another thing that you know something that has gone throughout the whole series um, and some of some of which I love particularly in, in the alpha times um, but that animated intro that was something mm. you didn't always see um, back then um, the, the, like, so Street Fighter 2 the first three versions at least have two <laughs> nameless guys who yeah. aren't actually in the game uh, just a white guy decking a black guy and then it scrolls up a, a skyscraper um, I'm sure it seemed like a great idea at the time and you know that music did the job and everything um, but obviously the intros kind of got a lot more dramatic and, and um, complex and involved but uh, I still I still let that intro run when I've got hyper fighting running on my 360 sometimes just because uh, and of course, one another thing we ought to address at this point, um, not to labour it because it's it's very well known stuff. But uh, well, you've already mentioned it. The the mm. character name swap that we got in the Western version is still I still find it kind of irksome because it means that if you're having a conversation about Street Fighter with a Japanese person, yeah, <laughs> they're talking about the real characters and we're talking about the stupidly uh, spun around names. Yeah, it's almost a daily occurrence, isn't it? I hate <laughs> it when that. <laughs> well, it does happen. It does happen, but. Um, you know, like most people in the West, America and the UK, think that the final boss of Street Fighter yep. 2 is M. Bison. But that's absurd. Why would he be called M. Bison? M. Bison is clearly a parody name for the boxing character. Yeah, I have to admit, I had no idea that that was a thing until earlier today. I never knew that. Yep, I never knew that. Yep, yep. So so it worked, at least for me. <laughs> I never, never even put it together. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, I've yeah. imported so many versions of, of Street Fighter uh-huh. over the years. I think I've owned nine versions of Street Fighter 2, countless others, other Street Fighters. Um, and yeah, some of them some of them are imports. And uh, I can't remember exactly when I found this out, but I think it was early in the day, fairly early in the in the 90s. But the, the, the annoying thing is, rather than just swap two characters' names, which was, would have been... They should yeah. have just yeah. renamed <laughs> M. Bison. That's what they should have done. Yeah. Now, I think... I can't even remember. Was it a licensing thing because of Mike Tyson's punch-out, or was it because Mike Tyson was already a slightly controversial character? I don't think he'd gone down for rape at this point. Um... But he was already perhaps, you know, he hadn't bitten, bitten anyone's ear off or anything like that. But I think according to uh, Polygon's 
oral history of Street Fighter 2, uh, which is definitely worth a look yes. um, to catch up on a bit of the development history. Uh, it was more to do with worry that Nintendo would uh, have some problem with it. But yes, so instead, famously, instead of just changing the boxing character's name to something else like um, a Moo Bank or something, <laughs> um, they they decided to they decided to take Balrog's name and give that to the boxer uh, Balrog, who we know as Vega, um, which makes sense for Balrog if you know about the mythical beast the Balrog, um, and give the Vega name to uh, from the final boss to Balrog. And Balrog, why? <laughs> I just still don't know why. Um, it's to do with, I think, the, something to do with the names being saved already in the version mm. that they had. Right. And they weren't able to, it wasn't like it was a font. I think uh, it's like, it was okay. a sprite that appears on screen. So they could swap them, but they couldn't yeah. alter them. Yeah. I mean, you know, in other games, like, um, certainly when it came to home ports, think like Sodom in Final Fight got a different name and things like that, and they changed, you know, so I don't know. I'm sure there, there, I'm sure there was a better way of dealing with it than calling the final boss of your game <laughs> M. Bison. I know it's, I know, you know, he was, it, it, it stuck and it was even in the movie and, and whatever, but it still bugs me because I know he's called Vega and that's, that is canon. But, <laughs> uh, so, of course, as as well um, as all this other stuff that Street Fighter 2 invented, one of the things it arguably unwittingly invented, although, again, if you read the oral history, um, they were aware that combos were in there, which was basically by by addressing the fact that we, the thing we talked about with Street Fighter 1, that it was very hard for mere mortals to press the button within the right within the frame count to make yourself do a special move they they open that window up which also allowed for cancelling one move into another and lo the combo was born um and basically invented the genre or certainly gave the genre way more legs than it would have had um and of course you know we we've, we've got into insane numbers in in the marvel games and things like that over the years but in in street fighter you still you know tend to be pleased if you get anything anything above <laughs> 5 is is pretty good unless it's an ultra move i think it put the word combo in the lexicon mm. even if it didn't invent the the concept yeah yeah and obviously yes because as we've as we've explored it wasn't exactly the first game either but it certainly was the game to popularize them um now there were many versions we we haven't got time to go into the minutia of every single one but it it was the start of a period where the home versions could not match the arcade now a lot of people will have you believe that the snes version was arcade perfect it absolutely wasn't it was very very good it was impressive but the sprites were smaller it was missing animation it was missing speech i think i mean the pal version was was slower of course um the change from um, the sort of FM music to sort of almost a MIDI chip version of the music as well always sort of grated mm. on me a little. Yeah, there were, there were some good things about it. They they brought in some extra features and things like that, you know, uh, team battle and, and various stuff like that. I'm not sure if that was in the first one, but I mean, the Street the Street Fighter 2 SNES cart, the original yeah. one, the World Warrior, uh, was famously fetching upwards of £100 for you know uh, importers to for people because they just needed to have it they just needed to have it and it was you know ultimately it, it played really really well it was faithful mm-hmm. um it, it just wasn't as arcade perfect as a lot of kind of snes people would have you believe um but it was certainly a lot closer than the uh say the amiga version which of course tried to cram everything onto one button and was done by some team at us gold it wasn't tier Tech this time i don't think 
I don't think the second one was. Um, or oh, oh, was it? Who knows? They were doing so many <laughs> bad yeah. ports at the time. Well, it was a number one smash Christmas hit, of course, anyway. There's actually, um, talking of the price of the cart when it was imported here, at, at the end of the mean, mean Machines review of the SNES version, there's actually a proviso saying, uh, you can get this from this place at 75 quid. Don't pay £100 for it. Right. That's not the done thing. Like, yeah. they're, they're ripping you off. Yes. Yeah. So the fact that a magazine had to go yeah, through that yeah, process yeah. in a review is uh, it, yeah because people were paying it as well weren't they they were remember? Yeah. I remember 120 being bandied around possibly wow. even, I think possibly some got as high as 200 when there was an actual shortage um it was justified to a point by I think the R- RRP in Japan was slightly higher if they had such a thing because it was a larger megabit cart than had previously come out for the SNES possibly and because it was Street Fighter <laughs> and because too. it was carrying a massive Street Fighter tax yeah um, and but you know it was probably worth the extra uh, £100 not to be playing the Commodore 64 version um, <laughs> yeah so that started something um, and Capcom were quick to um, ride the wave shall we say um, April 92 uh, was the the next official version Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition um, which answered a lot of user prayers by opening up uh, the possibility of uh, same character matches and the ability to play as another four characters the the, the bosses um, I think there was general probably some other general tweaks the usual rebalancing and stuff like that that lower end players wouldn't necessarily notice but there were quite a lot of again reading the oral history and, and other comments um, from the producers of the plain Street Fighter 2 there were a lot of kind of unbalanced elements of that first game and things just weird stuff as well that, that they left in by mistake like there's a there's a 1 in 512 chance that you could pull off a special move just by pressing any button um, <laughs> really? yeah there's a wow. f- there's a 50% chance of doing double damage on Ryu when he's dizzied and stuff like this just you know these were all left these were all experiments that, that ultimately didn't get edited out and, and because because there weren't, you know, yeah, you can just yeah. patch things online. This was like, you'd need a whole new PCB. So that's what they did, and they sold it to arcades. And, of course, there were lots of appealing features. Um, now, I don't know exactly which order things happened, but I do remember seeing uh, the start of the bootleg um, thing. So this was where third-party manufacturers were basically pirating the game. Um, but they weren't just calling you know renaming it or anything they were actually adding to it and making all these uh crazy alterations the most famous bootleg is probably the rainbow Mm. edition street fighter 2 it has a rainbow colored logo on the title screen and it was uh ripped and um recoded somewhat by hung si enterprise in taiwan and in it you can do um multiple uh fireballs that rise up and down the screen you can warp into different you can like shang Tsung in mortal kombat you can change into different characters halfway through a move um wow. it's just it's a complete me- it's a hot mess it's completely broken and unbalanced and of course people still play it at tournaments because it's now kind of a, a bizarre sport unto itself i'd imagine that had quite a hefty influence on uh, on salty bet as well which is a- <laughs> yeah definitely yeah yeah, um, I remember seeing, weirdly, the one place I knew had an edition of uh, boot, uh, Rainbow Edition was um, a famous computer games shop in Brighton called Gamer, um, or Computer Gamer, I can't remember, maybe it's just Gamer. I think it started as a board games place. Um, and they had, one of the only corn-ups they ever had in there was Street Fighter mm. Two Rainbow Edition. <laughs> um, and so I, I used to go in there to buy stuff for my uh, Amiga, 
and sometimes this guy in there will be playing it and I'd, I'd be looking over you know and I'd now by now I was you know cognizant with the whole Street Fighter 2 thing and there he was and there were these fireballs like looping up and down <laughs> and he was you know multiple like 18 sonic booms coming across the screen and the game was slowing down like anything and I was just like, oh, this must be this must be the next version that's out in Japan or something. <laughs> yeah. I think the fact that the versions that we got over here, at least that I remember, uh, mm. featured the boss characters as playable. Now, I don't think the code would have been in there in the World Warrior. So I think the maybe the Rainbow Editions and Black Belt Editions and Silver Editions, Gold Editions, whatever, yeah. that we might have played were maybe just local to Taiwan, Hong Kong, right. uh, and that market at the time. And yeah. Um, because, as you say, it's difficult to work out time-wise because uh, the development team acknowledged that the bootlegs were an influence. Yeah. But I don't think we saw them over here until after Champion Edition had mm, released. That's probably right. I think we got the bootlegs of Champion Edition. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting that you remember where you could find a bootleg uh, Street <laughs> yeah. Fighter. Uh, I'd imagine almost every kid from that era, or not you weren't a kid, but, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Every young person from that time uh, can remember like where to go to find it like if anyone's got a time machine and they want to play one in Romford try the Dolphin <laughs> Leisure Centre or um, the arcade near the brewery or um, if you like fast forward your time machine in a few months you'll be able to get one at Brentwood Leisure Centre do you know what I mean I just know where, where the bootleg editions were and all, like uh, I, yeah and again that comes down to the buzz of, of things doesn't it Rich Hoyle again, Dom's beard, remembered uh, remembered Champion Edition. He says, Daft rumours began to circulate that there was a hacked version of Street Fighter 2 doing the rounds where Ryu threw red fireballs that could finish a round in three seconds and Ken fired about ten standard fireballs out every time he did a dragon punch. We finally got to sample this mod and it was ridiculous. Bounce would be over in three seconds as whoever's dragon punch landed first won the round with a perfect in three seconds. It finally put to bed the rumours that if you perfected every round, including Bison, you got to fight Sheng Long. Spending your 20p on a coin toss soon got boring and eventually Championship Edition was put back in until my favourite of the series arrived. So it sounded like uh, Rich may have been playing a bootlegged mm. version of Championship Edition. That, yeah, It may have even been something like, you know, he's playing Championship Edition because I think the the official one was Champion Edition. So it wouldn't be surprised me if there was a... Well, yeah, over here, this is what it was actually, I was kind of confused. Like over here, I know... Um... I just remember the Super Nintendo version being just Street Fighter 2 and the Genesis version, or what is it, the Mega Drive over there, being the Championship Edition. Yeah. Mega Drive over here. Okay, uh, okay. We're okay. coming on to that. The, yeah, because that relates a... to the next one as well. I was worried about where to bring this one up because it yeah, straddles okay. the two, doesn't it? There's a reason for that. It's actually where I got involved in the series was the Mega Drive. But um, So yes, Rich mentioned the famous Shenlong there. Again, It's I think this is well known now, but just to cover that off, um, you must defeat Shenlong <laughs> to stand a chance was one of the translations of uh, Ryu's win. Um, uh, it's actually supposed to be Shoryu Ken, which is, of course, his dragon punch. Um, but if, for years and years, um, the, the, this mistranslated thing meant that you had to find and beat a character called Sheng Long, who was their master, <laughs> Ken, uh, Ken Ryu's master. He doesn't exist, and uh, there's various nods to him in Capcom lore since then. Um, I actually saw two kids trying to get him from the EGM April Fool. Ah, um, uh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it was in an arcade not too far from 
from Sean. It, like I think it was, he, he, it was either <laughs> New York State or uh, Pennsylvania, and there were these two kids that were a little younger than me, and I didn't want <laughs> to tell them because it's a bit like telling them there's no Santa. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just sort of watched them persevere for a while, and then thought, no, I'll move to another machine. I was waiting till I like, have a go, and it was like, oh, I'll try something else. It's fine. <laughs> just leave them to it. Like, at least to uh, believe that they can do this. At least you could do that one in public uh, without, you know, without the embarrassment of the Tomb Raider new <laughs> uh, doing it to the Spice Girls type of thing. Now I think um, obviously that opening up the bosses and things like that was 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 key, and I think they started to. I think Capcom. I, I don't think they put a combo um, acknowledgement on screen uh, yet, even even until Super. But it was you know I think the gameplay was starting to lean towards what they knew that the you know the scene the good players were were bringing about, and and that really uh, blossomed with Street Fighter Two. Turbo or a little dash, um, depending. Um, colon hyper fighting, um, or Street Fighter Turbo, as virtually everybody calls it. Um, this was the 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 new big one. December nineteen ninety two, it debuted. Um, came out later, obviously, and on SNES, um, particularly in Europe. Um, this was absolutely ubiquitous. It was a game that made me buy a SNES, even though because uh, at this point I didn't know that I was going to love Mario so much. Um, and that we tin... complain about annual sequels today. Yeah. Oh well, absolutely. Yeah. This um, isn't even annual. It's less than a no, year later. Yeah. Totally. Fortunately, EA had already been making Madden games at this point yearly. So. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, that tin you could buy a tinned version of Street Fighter Two Turbo that was absolutely ubiquitous in secondhand shops. After a while, it was you actually... can open it today, and it's still okay until 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Case of the apocalypse. Um, and uh, it was yes, it, you know, everyone had new colours, and uh, I mean they did that with the Champion Edition. People had new default colours, but you could now select from an array of colours. I think um, Turbo original colours. Um, it was rebalanced, and most crucially, it was so much faster. And not only that, there was selectable speeds, and uh, you could even unlock further speeds. Somehow they got all this out of this hardware. Uh, both, you know, at the arcades and the home version, they it absolutely it, this this game could really rock it, um, and to the point that even back then, let alone now, it made Street Fighter the the first two versions pretty much unplayable. Does anyone right. remember that going back to like playing Hyper Fighting for a while and then trying the older versions I mean you can you can download uh, three versions of Street Fighter 2 on Wii U Virtual Console the SNES versions so if you really want to have the original World Warrior and compare it against Turbo you can or you can just alter the speed slider on HD Remix or something but it is extraordinary it's really hard to play I find World Warrior very very difficult to yeah. to get a grasp on the speed it, it almost feels like mm. you're playing it in slow-mo it's yeah, it is, it's yeah. that slow and then champion a slight step up and then this one it's yeah it's like the, your natural speed for street fighter isn't it it's like yeah uh, uh, it's what you than, feel as default more than if you if you put it up to nine yeah. ten stars or whatever it is yeah um and they start this is where i think they started um looking at the like the art um, I mean, I think every version's got some tweaks to the backdrops and things like this, but they started mucking around with palettes and making changes to the details and, and the character select and all this stuff. And I really got into this stuff. Um, now, my home, my first home version 
was the Mega Drive version because I didn't have a SNES, as I say. Um, so I actually I plumped for the Mega Drive, which I think had a an RRP of about sixty quid, but I think I got it for forty five from W H Smith. But I also bought uh, two six button mm. controllers, mm-hmm. Competition <laughs> Pro pads, because the course the Mega Drive only had three buttons by default, and you was you were expected to tab between punches and kicks by pressing the start button. Oh, man. What yeah. a ridiculous what idea. What are thinking? Yeah. Although there's nothing else you can do, is there? It's like... No. No. You, you Other had... than release a six-button pad and make it in some small way playable. Yeah. That's, uh, I bought <laughs> On these a kidney th- bean. I bought these third-party pads that, yeah. that, that were good. And, and yes, Sean, to answer your question, the Mega Drive version was the special champion edition. And the reason it was called that was because... Nintendo had done some sort of deal with Capcom to keep Turbo Net, uh, SNES okay. exclusive. So even though the Special Champion Edition contains pretty much all the features of Turbo, including the speed select, uh, it's just got a different right. name. Okay. It's just a, it's a circumnavigation. But normal Champion Edition, without the speed changes, and with some various other changes, was also in development on the Mega Drive as the Champion Edition. Hmm. Oh, okay. Um, there's, a, there's a beta of it. That you can sorry beta. I'm going to say beta on British. Sorry. Okay. Uh, there's a beta of it that you can get online, um, and it's got different music that's slightly closer to the arcade, um, slightly more frames of animation. You're there's right. various changes that were made that I guess were taken out to accommodate the stuff that was added right. to make Champion Edition special Champion Edition, i.e. hyper fighting. It's all very yeah. incestuous, but again, I think that's contractual. That yeah. uh, Sega. Uh, wanted whatever the SNES got. It was like um like they're saying with parity now on uh with the digital arcade games, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, very similar sort of thing. I think it's amazing what great editions we got on each console as well. Yeah. It was it was really impressive the Mega mm-hmm. Drive version considering some of the limitations of the Yeah, that yeah. I I definitely played more of the uh Super Nintendo one, but I eventually ended on the Genesis one because it was just it just felt a lot more smoother to me, and and I also got one of those pads. I actually got it sitting here right in front of me, <laughs> one of those uh, six button, and it has an auto button, which uh, I promise I never used. But <laughs> no, no, I can't believe they st- they still put Turbo on really? the on the Mad Cats, you know, official Aww. tournament sticks. Yeah, I never use it. It's absolutely rubbish. Yeah, so this is a game you can still play now. As I say, you can play the SNES version on Wii U Virtual Console. I think you can still get the version on Xbox Live mm-hmm. Arcade if you just, you know, and I, I think it's a really nice game to have in your collection, just a really good version of Street Fighter. Obviously, you can play it on MAME and whatever as well, or probably on, you know, home devices. Um, there is something really nice about the feel of, of that era of Street Fighter 2, as much as I love Ultra, you know, and all versions of Street Fighter 4. It's got a real sort of nice, crunchy retro thing going on. Retro is not a word I even like to use, but it's not that sprite art. You know, it's just it's 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 more than just nostalgia. It's got something really cool in its own right. And I think Turbo or maybe Super Turbo, which we'll come on to, are kind of the sort of peak versions for me. It's incredible. Within like three years, they'd put themselves sort of in the. Uh in the echelons of say like Marvel's set of characters and DC's set of characters that they'd suddenly sort of made this I hadn't like I don't think video games had ever really done that before that we've got a stable now of of people that to sort of send on and mm. use in other games you know yeah yeah I think um, they released as I understand it from from research they they pretty much released Turbo as a kind of stopgap to stop the bootlegs taking over the market 
Um, and yeah, Super was already in development. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, and Turbo is kind of um, basically answering a lot of the you know the questions that the bootleg versions ans- uh, asked, and that's probably why it doesn't add anything. There's no new characters, which you would expect at least one new character or something. It hasn't even got that. It's uh, it's purely it's it's a rebalance and a tweak and uh, a polishing more than more than anything. It's a game of the year edition of Street Fighter Two. Yeah. The original set, yeah. the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, special Champion Edition, uh, I think, I'm, I'm sure no one will do this, um, but I believe you can still download it on the Wii Virtual Console. Not the Wii U, but the Wii, so you can get it via your Wii, Wii U, or if you've still got a Wii, you can play that Mega Drive version. Or there are probably other less legal ways that don't cost you 800 Wii points. Um, so, another thing, this is one of those games, right, that I used to. I, I loved playing. I always wanted to be involved playing it with the cool kids at the arcade, even though I was probably slightly older than most of them at this point. I was like in my early twenties, and these were they, they were often in their teens. Um, they weren't, you know, they weren't like school age. These were probably seventeen to nineteen, generally. The, the the kids, often Asian kids, who played it in Brighton arcades. Um, but I wasn't confident enough, and I knew I wasn't a good enough player. But this was one of those games. I remember there were there were a lot of these, um, and it still happens today. Games like Speedball Two and and Sensible Soccer and these games where I had them, I played them. People liked the look of them. Friends wanted to come around and play them, but when we played them, they couldn't touch <laughs> me, and so I never learned how mm. to get better. Um, now, fortunately, um, you know, I had some friends who would commit to playing some local multiplayer games and get good at them whether it's uh, more immediate accessible stuff like Bomberman um, and football games as well I suppose things like that but something this complicated would would either be a case of me just hold, keeping them at arm's length with, with fireballs and then finishing them off and then getting very bored very quickly or more often them <laughs> button bashing and beating me and me getting really annoyed um, because I'm losing to a, to a random button basher um, and I'm not good enough to actually deal with that um, so I think in a way even though as much as I love these games and I have so much fondness for them and I still play them and thank goodness for online I think I didn't get the best out of them I think you'll recognise this conversation that, that we probably forgot that it took us months of um, of practising in the arcades to learn all of those moves and then someone comes around and you're like well it's just down down forward forward yeah. fireball and then they're like no I don't get you and it's like well no it's just that <laughs> And we're expecting them to learn it in like three seconds, whereas it's taken us like God knows how long and how many twenty p's. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, even just explaining the, you know, like the button layout on the the other thing I preferred about playing the Mega Drive version actually was the fact that these six button pads were, you know, three and three, whereas the SNES you had to get your head around the whole two and two and then a shoulder button thing, um, which is something I still do on the uh, PS3 now because I don't have an arcade stick. Um, and I still, I'm still not that keen on it. I still like the logic of the three above the three, which you had on satin pads. You know, do you um, switch across the uh, shoulder ones to something other than uh, heavy? No, I, I think I used to try just, you know, and I used to do that really lame thing of making them the weakest ones because I, oh, I don't use those so much. It's like yeah, I use them for middle because I don't use middle so much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All that stuff, um, but it still makes me, even though now, like I can boot up. Ultra Street Fighter 4 um, and have an online game and I do okay online now um, and and enjoy it I still, like I look at documentaries on the fighting game scene um, like I Am Street Fighter I Got Next, things like that and you know that some of those 
some of those people have been playing it since almost since the early Street Fighter 2 days and they've been you know it's become their whole life and I never would have been that dedicated or or talented to get to that but watching videos of Evo and stuff like that I kind of I just wish I could have some of that that feeling and there were a few sessions where I ended up playing with like a, a less close friend but somebody who played Street Fighter a lot on their own and suddenly you'd be having a really mm. good game of it and it was so magic so exciting mm. so tense you know you'd be you know living it before and after have have really long sessions but then you'd be back to playing the tedious old cheating CPU or people who didn't know what they were doing <laughs> sad I'm sad um, yes another thing I bought at the time that I still have it's still in very good condition is the uh, Street Fighter 2 Expert Player's Handbook from the makers of Nintendo Magazine System and Mean Machines Sega. Um, it's is that still... one with a really bad picture of Zangief from Blanker on the front? No, it's got um, it's got some re- very nice official art all the way through. Actually, yeah, there was a Super Street Fighter one which um, which I don't have anymore. This was 1993, um, edited by uh, well, Paul Glancy was a consultant editor. The guy who went on to uh, form Criterion and or one of the Criterion guys <clears throat> and it had input from American Street Fighter Pro Tomo O'Hira um, so there were already pro professional Street Fighter players at this point now apparently Tomo O'Hira dropped out at Super Turbo stage I think or Super stage um, because he hated the changes they made to the game or something like that and I think that sort of thing's been been going along but obviously the names, the names that you know, like Justin Wong, you know, he he started off as a as a guy who was just, you know, same as the rest of us, just like trying to work stuff out, just trying to. He he says in the uh, I think it's the I Am Street Fighter documentary made by Area Five, he just as soon as he got a chance to play as Bison, he was like, now I can do Psycho Crusher, and, he, <laughs> and he's like, and you know, now he just learned to go backwards and forwards across the screen, and he has, he's ended up being this player who. You know, is you know one of the best in the world, and he and he's stayed up. He started young, and he stayed up there for 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 a long time. Now I'm not up with the current scene, so forgive me, any listeners who are and know much more about this stuff. But yeah, it's it's not that I'm saying that I wanted to be part of that scene, but I just I love how kind of I know it it's a, actually gets nasty and things, but I like how seriously they take it and how intense they get about it. You know, I'm 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 a football fan and. Um, but I st- and I still uh, you know and I I like to see that level of passion and intensity around video games because that's what I feel about mm. both things you know Rich Hoyle again um, r- remembers the advent of Turbo he says uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo was a revelation for me when it came out it was so fast it felt like a proper decent update and I think some of the characters have been balanced better and Ken got a flaming dragon punch and Ryu a flaming fireball Chun-Li tempted a few people with her uh, additional fireball, as did Blanka with his spin attack that was a perfect counter for fireball spamming. During this time, the SNES edition came out and I was lucky enough to get the Street Fighter 2 bundle for Christmas 1993 and used that as practice, even though it was at a snail's pace compared to Turbo by then. I sat up Christmas Eve watching a video that was included in Me Machines with Jazz Rignall doing a Let's Play. It was great, but it was missing the randomness of the arcade face-to-face opponent. So here comes a new challenger, September 1993. Um, the team had changed somewhat for this one. As we say, it had already been in the work when Turbo came out. Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers. Finally, some new characters. Um, probably the most 
fondly thought of as Cammy, I would suggest. Um, followed by uh, Bruce Lee clone Phalong, uh, American Indian T-Hawk, and then the one nobody likes, the American-designed <laughs> um, DJ Maximum, uh, the cheesy 90s uh, African-American man. It's what we know as Balrog with feet this, instead yeah. of fists, pretty much. Now, I remember this uh, being, again, a big deal. There was a buzz. I think, like, for... I guess it's like a lot of games where you see at a certain point, saturation point arrives for the mainstream. So you're talking about all those friends and just people playing it like you know in that same way that they might play call of duty there comes a point and i think it's coming now with call of duty which is the i've played i've mm. bought that game too many times i've you know they're, they're barely making any changes and ugh, crap comma selling me a full price game you know which has only got four new characters and blah 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 blah, blah. um but i remember being quite excited about this now i think in retrospect um it's quite poorly thought of because it was in development before Turbo. It doesn't have the Turbo feature. So it's noticeably slower. Or it, it, may, it may may have like a couple of speed stars, but I don't think it goes anything like as fast as Turbo. It's definitely slower than, than yeah. Turbo. Yeah. Um, this was the first one on their improved CPS2 hardware. You can notice the difference. It's got, it's got improved sort of pseudo surround sound, I think, this Q sound thing they called it. Um sprite arts generally sharper I'm not sure how much sharper the resolution is but it it looks overall like the character select screens and stuff look way nicer and um, more colours and things like that Um, I remember it you know because I was kind of into it by now even though I wasn't good I've never been good I was just into the whole thing and I was into the idea of these these additions and these new backdrops which meant new stage music and you know all the little it's for me it's all the little stuff it, it's not like when i see the videos of, of when they say oh you know a new version of street fighter 4 we've rebalanced this i'm like oh that's cool because that's for the for the proper players but for me it's like well, are there any new stages are there any any new tunes or that sort of thing I, I remember looking forward to it um i think probably as yourself because we we're probably reading about it in magazines and what have you but then I played it, and then I kind of felt like that pro you were talking about, where it was like, yeah, this isn't really enough. And, yeah, it didn't really do it for me. I could see that it was a, an upgrade in sound and music, but this is the point where I kind yeah. of ducked out for a few years. Yeah, the, the that, same for me. I kind of, at this point, Mortal Kombat had come out, right? Um, yeah, and so I I'd kind of switched uh, teams there. And But, yeah, so I remember, you know, uh, just being into the idea and, and the fact that it was a bit slower didn't didn't harm it for me but I do remember trying to play at the arcades and, and just getting to T-Hawk and him doing that thing where he spins you around 14 times and then smashes you into the floor over and over again and getting quite annoyed but I still I still did end up trading my turbo cart for a super cart which was perhaps a mistake in hindsight um, and I think that was the last sort of cartridge version before I ended up playing future versions on uh, Saturn and Dreamcast things like that uh, Rich Hall says, I can remember the day that Super Street Fighter 2 came in. It got its own new cabinet and everything. The owner of the arcade was raving about the new sound chip and told the guy installing it to turn the volume up loud. It blew the speakers within the first hour of being put in, so we had to play it on silent. I didn't like the new mixes, to be honest, nor Ken now having an American accent as much sense as it made. The new fighters were a nice addition, except for DJ, who turned into a complete nemesis for me. Whether I played him round 1 or round 7, he beat me. This continues into Street Fighter 4 as well. I did play with Fei Long for a bit, as well as Kami. T-Hawk didn't appeal, even though he seemed to be an upgrade on Zanjev. 
It was still a great game aside from the sound, and I saved and paid a daft amount of money for an import copy for my SNES from my local indie store. This worked out well, as both arcades close to me died at that point, sadly. Home gaming had exploded at that point. So the last of the classic era uh, arcade machines was Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Uh, it's the sort of game that started to get that reputation that Capcom is now once again lampooning <laughs> itself with the Dead Rising 3 DLC. Um, February 1994, it wasn't as long as the Dreamcast version's name, which is called, I believe, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo F- X something for oh, matching yeah. service. Yeah, it's a huge name. It, like, we yeah. do you well in Scrabble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only it wasn't a proper noun. <laughs> uh, Rich Hoyle again, Dom's Beard, says Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo turned me off with the addition of the Super Bars, which obviously since become, you know, quite a big thing. Back then I felt that it seemed to spoil the purity of the game, and it became a game of trying to get your Super Bar ready to unleash at that right moment, so lost a bit of magic for me being a very old school Street Fighter. Um, so the thing that intrigued me about this, I guess, was uh, the fact that it brought the speed back. Um, and it had, in the intro sequence, it had it alluded to this new secret character, uh, Akuma, or as he's known in Japan, Goki, both of which mean the same thing. I think they're both demon names, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but uh, I didn't actually have my own version of this until the Street Fighter collection came out for the Saturn, I don't think, and it was it was an arc, you know, arcade perfect to all intents and purposes version rather than the, what would have been a slightly cut down version on the SNES so there was even an Amiga version of this so goodness knows what that was like a moment uh, silence for the person that bought a 3DO <laughs> for a conversion of, of it of course there was indeed yes as well as that Dreamcast version sometime before there was for the era there was an exclusive 3DO version um, so you had uh, yeah it was one of the you know the games along with uh, Return Fire Road Rash um, and um they, all the other games that you bought a 3DO for um, <laughs> to to, to uh, justify owning that console for. I th- they released this version, which I think, you know, in, in, in some ways you could say it was sort of objectively the best in that it had, you know, the, the best art and the most features and the most characters and art. But, uh, but I think there were some people, and maybe actually this was where uh, professional fighter Tom O'Hara ducked out was uh, he felt the same way as Dom's beard which was that the super bar which is obviously as I said now become this huge part of nearly all fighting games and multiple uh, bars and, and you know arts and ultras and all this stuff um, this was this was the one that brought it in but I loved you see again from the point of view of somebody who was playing these games for for the spectacle for the idea of being this you know kind of cool world jet-setting warrior just finishing somebody with a super move and seeing that shadow trail behind you and the screen burst into this sunburst flare I thought that was so awesome so there were a couple more versions but before then uh, we must briefly touch upon the uh, the cultural <laughs> legacy that Street Fighter has left us obviously there was uh, an insane amount of merchandise um, because the game was so huge um, a range of action figures based on the G.I. Joes or Action Man to us um, there was a board game uh, a tabletop RPG uh, there was a pinball machine there's since been a virtual pinball machine as well I'm not sure if they're the same though I don't think they are there was a manga of course um, and t-shirts hats and various other things I've ended up with stuff I don't tend to buy a lot of merch I've ended up with a few little figures and, and things like that um, 
I've only ever watched bits of the famous 1994 <laughs> film. Oh, really? Really? Oh, man. You uh, do that. You've got to watch it. I, yeah. I've, well, I've almost watched it. I, I did a feature uh, for BT.com last year on the worst uh, gaming tie-in movies, and so I did kind of watch most of it on Netflix at that point. Um, yes, it's, it's sort of now got this reputation as this camp kitsch classic, uh, but I just hated it. I mean, it's sort, it's sort of funny, but it's a very long joke. It is awful, but you have to see it once, yeah. surely, all the way through. Yeah, it, it's more that, yeah, it's kind of like the room <laughs> in that it's so awful that it ends up yeah. kind of being entertaining. And Raul also, Ju- Raul Julia, he deserves <laughs> yeah, you to watch it, I was going to say, he's, yeah. he's, the, yeah. he's the one saving grace of that movie, is Raul Julia realises he's <laughs> in a terrible movie and just camps yeah. it up to the, uh, you know, mm. 11th degree. It's just really, really... Uh, yeah, really can't perform. He's a great actor, but did anyone else see it day one? Oh, nice one, Sean. <laughs> wow. is... Yeah, because I saw it day one, <laughs> and I was like thirteen. And I... Street Fighter movie, here we go. And even at that age, I could tell that this was just a huge turd. It was uh, none of the characters looked at all like they do in the game, and no. then making this like crazy awful story out of it. Wrong. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> and I walked out of there so depressed because it was so terrible. The blanker thing is yeah. Just what was that? Unbelievable. Who 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 thought it was a good idea to cast Jean Claude Van Damme as Guile? Yeah. And he has an American flag yeah. on his shoulder, so it's yeah. not like they get. Oh no, we'll just pretend that this guy he's is Belgian. European. Exactly right. No, he's American. Yeah. <laughs> and Kylie Minogue is British, right? Cammy, yep. um, and uh, yeah, and Raoul Julia is whatever country he's supposed to be from Thailand? Yeah, but in the, I don't think he's supposed to be from Thailand in the film. It's all very... I think they were trying to go one better than Highlander with having people playing the wrong accents or something. Um, but that wasn't even the first uh, time that Street Fighter had been committed to uh, celluloid or at least videotape. There was a Korean TV show um, mm. in uh, probably the year before, I think, uh, which uh, you can watch a bit of on um, YouTube. Street Fighter the TV series it looks amazing you think you think that the Street Fighter movie is a is a camp classic um the only thing that's stopping the Korean TV show being uh, equally well regarded i think is the lack of subtitles or or dubbing um it, it's remarkable stuff um bizarrely a chinese movie uh, forgive my pronunciation chao ji shui shao ba wang uh, or future cops uh, in 1993, is a Street Fighter film. Hmm. It is set around Street Fighter. Ryu, Dalsim and Vega are sent out to stop M. Bison. <laughs> they befriend a teenage school student and seek out Bison. Bison sends out his own soldiers, Ken and Sagat. So they also messed around with the mm. law completely. Um, and then there's probably more famous, or the same year, 1993, Jackie Chan's City Hunter, which is not a Street Fighter film, but has a um, a, a blow to the head or... A <laughs> He gets thrown into an arcade machine, and then he visualize. There's a sequence where he visualizes that he is playing, he's being in Street Fighter, <laughs> and he ends up as Chun Li. That section is better than Street Fighter the movie. <laughs> yes, that have you, have little you three minutes. Oh, no. Oh, okay, well the the links are all here on the show notes. Sorry, listeners, um, you'll have to search it for yourself, but um, do do enjoy. Um, there was also uh, incredibly. Um, 
well not incredibly the game that was going to be Street Fighter 3 or at least uh, Incredible Technologies who are developing it thought it was going to be Street Fighter 3 is uh, eventually became known as Street Fighter the movie uh, in the it's an arcade game um, with sort of sub Mortal Kombat style digitized sprites I have never played this game I think it even got ported to PlayStation it's a different game slightly um, okay it's by a different team um, right in fact, more than slightly. Um, they oh, okay. they use um, the same sprites pretty much, yeah. But um, they're different games using oh, the okay. same graphics. There you um, go. Neither is very that. good. Don't worry, no. you haven't missed anything. No, I, I understand. They're they're both absolutely terrible. Um, and one that I only remembered latterly to include on on this hall of classics: uh, Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li, two thousand and nine. Which which is actually worse. Than the 1994 <laughs> movie. Wow. Um, it, it's actually it's weird because Street Fighter the movie, uh, the original one, the 1994 one, it could be argued as technically worse, yes. but because Legend of Chun Li is slightly better in the technical uh, department, <laughs> it just makes it more boring mm. and like grating mm. and awful. At least with the 1994 one, it's so bad that it's laughable. And you can get some entertainment out of that. But with the 2009 film, you just want to kill yourself halfway through. Um, perhaps on a slightly more positive note, uh, there was Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. Mm. Um, a surprisingly brutal um, anime. A bit nonsensical, but basically enjoyable. Um, there is a... Uh, you can get a censored version as part of your Street Fighter 2 anniversary pack, um, which doesn't feature the Chun-Li shower scene. Um, it's also got a different soundtrack because there were yes, yeah, uh, the British issues. one had very very ninety. It was very of its time. The music used it's like, uh, do you remember Transglobal Underground and uh, yeah, sort of that sort of early sort of trancey <laughs> time. Uh, and then I think it's got like I was going to say corn, but it can't be them. But like um, yeah. some sort of industrial metally type stuff as well and metal yeah, rap. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had the VHS cassette back in the day with that soundtrack. Uh, probably. Ah, cool. I don't know. I don't know. Can't remember. But um, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's actually on things like Netflix and or Amazon Prime, something like that. Um, there was a game which tied in with that as well. Uh, a different game, which was a kind of weird game that again I've never played. I remember it getting um, uh, panned critically. But you in in it, it wasn't a fighting game, but you played a cyborg. Uh, who was uh, tasked with going around and um, sampling, like photographing or or taking the data from the fighters and then creating <laughs> some sort of ultra u- ultimate street fighter out of it. Uh, it was is an FMV clip game oh, basically, wow. and and uh, yeah, I remember it being reviewed and I didn't buy it. Sounds like was... Snatcher from the other way round <laughs> with street fighter characters. Yeah, and probably not as good. And finally, in this section, um, we have uh, there was a Saturday morning cartoon um, in America. I think um, now I'm slightly confused because I, I think there's been more than one cartoon series: Street Fighter Two V, or Street Fighter Two Victory, possibly. Um, but yes, there were some cartoons made of Street Fighter Two, um, and probably if they were Japanese, they were probably all right watchable. If they were American, they were probably atrocious. Now I was still, you know, I still. I'm I'm one of Capcom's uh, favourites in that I buy anything um, 
game uh, any game with street fighter on the on the label basically <clears throat> even though i'm as i say not an expert player or anything like that um and i was really excited to be able to get another version genuinely i'm not being sarcastic on uh, in december 2003 um might have been slightly later over here i'm not sure but uh, hyper street fighter 2 was a remixed a slightly tweaked and remixed um version of the last the previous game 10 years before um and on, in the case of the uh, it came out on its own i think on playstation 2 but the xbox version came with uh, a a sort of port of third strike which was very desirable because it mean, meant you could play what was then probably the hottest tournament game uh, online the playstation 2 one's got the uh, animated movie so yeah ignore that one <laughs> get the one with street fighter 3 yeah i think they both i think you could still watch the animated movie on the xbox version as well actually i think it's hidden away in the menu possibly um but yes there was that um minor minor tweaks I, I guess the the only thing of note was that um it was retrospectively returned to the arcade as hyper street fighter 2 um returning that sort of super street fighter 2 turbo thing um vibe to game centers in japan mainly um but i guess the one that actually some of you may have played more recently and i would say you should have done because i think it in many ways it it's you know it really stands up as and it kind of shows what a great video game Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is but it's the uh, 2008 HD remix which came out for uh, Xbox Live Arcade and PSN did it ever make its way to PC i have a feeling it did i'm not sure um so this was a heavily modified conversion of that game we mentioned earlier Super Street Fighter 2 X for matching service which was the Dreamcast uh, version but uh, latter, you know latterly released belatedly um japan only online street fighter for for dreamcast um done by backbone entertainment who are mostly known for their emulation um not always of the highest quality compared to say iron galaxy or m2 but i think um director david serlin and his team did a fine job with with hd remix and i think it really really did I felt like it really boosted the scene again before Street Fighter 4 uh, came home in early 2009. So this is the Street Fighter that I have the most experience mm. with. Um, yes. Because this was released around the time where um, I was starting to get interested in fighting games again. Because, you know, my early experiences with them, I kind of enjoyed them, but I had no interest in going uh in de- in depth with them but is is around this time where i was getting uh i i was getting at to this point where i really wanted to explore the nuances and complexities of uh, video the video games i was playing mm. um i think it was really devil may cry 3 um that came out 3 years uh, before this game that kind of uh, kickstarted that where I really got into the mechanics of that. So I, I picked this one up and um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I mainly played it um, local multiplayer just because the online multiplayer is just, for someone like me, is just uh, completely inaccessible. Just getting my, um, you yeah. know, just There's getting... a lot of... There's a, there were well there were I, I tried to get an online game because I've been playing it in the run up to this show and yeah. I couldn't actually get an online game the other day which is kind yeah. of a shame because I thought there would still be a hardcore of people playing this um, maybe it was time of day in in Japan and America I don't know it, it probably is still possible but mm. um, yes it's it's you yes you you get beaten if yeah. you go online yeah <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I I, I think um, it, it provided a lot of options as well because you could play like the original. Ver- it wasn't just the HD version; you could play the original. Yeah, uh, but version. it's kind of weird because you can you can change the music back to an a, a, you know a version, and you can change the character graphics, but you can't change yeah. the backdrop graphics. So that that looks bizarre. So you got right, these yeah. really chunky, fuzzy sprites in front of this uh, this hand painted art by uh, Udon, the the comic book art collective studio people who did all the, the the redrawn sprites, which by the way would have been a you know a pretty massive task and and a difficult one to get right as well. But I think the game looks pretty fantastic. Mm. I think that's uh, what drew uh, drew me towards it more than any of the uh, previous Street Fighter games. It's just the art looks really good in this version of the game. Um, all the sprites, and I actually prefer the uh, art style in this game to what uh, the style that Street Fighter Four mm. ended up with. Maybe that's just my. I have a. I do have a preference towards 2D animation where I can get mm. it, but um, it just has a style and 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 uh, yeah, it, it's it's a really attractive game and um, and yeah, I I I've really got into this one. I, I I've never gotten into a Street Fighter game as much as this uh, this version of Street Fighter Two. Actually, it, it's the only one that I really bothered to. Uh, um, get really good at but then um since then i don't know like street fighter 4 is arguably the the best game in the series uh for a lot of people but for whatever reason i found this much more accessible uh for someone like me i i really yeah i I still really like this game i bought it day one in fact i had there was a there was a beta if you bought um i think it was wolf of the battlefield the the commando sequel um that I think that was probably must have been backbone as well, um, and uh, uh, yeah, I just you know it was like spoke to as I say the things that I I dig about Street Fighter the art and the characters and the backdrops and all that it had like all that stuff and it had um, you know o- overclock remix versions of all these tracks and and all that stuff but also you know and I think it works well from the point of view as a somebody if somebody wanted to kind of understand what's cool about fighting games and why people play the really deep complex stuff like blaze blue continuum shift extend is kind of actually a good sort of window in because you've it's much simpler than that stuff in in a way it's like chess in the, a very simple set of rules can actually mean, mean a more complex outcome between two skilled opponents um you know a game of this game of poker this game of chess um as well as needing to be able to execute these really complex maneuvers and remember them all as well remember all these different combos and and things is is a challenge in itself and i think it it can make for quite an accessible game i mean like i can't remember the last time i saw anyone playing anything older than you know a year old unless it's dark souls on my friends list on any of the consoles nobody plays old games anymore but this game is i go back to old stuff quite a lot but playing this through on expert the other day i had an absolute blast it was so exciting taking out some of those later characters on expert settings and again that that same feeling of satisfaction of you know nailing a super move in the last you know when you're on your last sliver of health to to take down the final boss um it's just glorious and yeah like i played this for hours the other day to get to the end of expert with ken did it and then I had such a great time. I immediately booted up Ultra Street Fighter Four to carry on playing Street Fighter because I was buzzing from it. You know, it was 
it was wicked. And yeah, I just I, I know I know what you mean, Josh. Like I, I I've sort of mixed feelings about the way Street Fighter Four looks. Personally, um, in some ways I love it, in some ways I'm less keen. But whenever I think a lot of Capcom fans talk about them doing a a Dark Stalkers game, and I always feel like they should, if they do Dark Stalkers again, they should <clears throat> take a leaf out of Arc Systems' work works book and make it super high res 2D art like like Blaze Blue rather than go for a Marvel versus Capcom style sort of comic book esque 3D. I just think it would suit really well. But that's for another time. Um but we should play Street Fighter 2 sometime, Josh, if you if you <laughs> practice that one a lot. Because you know what? It's still, you know, as as good fun multiplayer as as anything else out there. I picked this up the day I got my Xbox three sixty, but right. I didn't get my Xbox three sixty until 24 hours after I played Street Fighter 4 in the arcade ah. I ordered a 360 purely for Street Fighter 4 so yes. I think being coming into this a year late A, everyone online was very good whereas I wasn't quite as practiced and B, there was Street Fighter 4 there which kind of to me felt like Street Fighter 2 all over again which I'm sure you, like, you kind of understand Absolutely, um, we will definitely save that for the Street Fighter 4 series show should that ever happen Um hope it does uh but yes uh absolutely and that's exactly what um when they when they brought seth killian on board to get involved that's exactly the the input he made was to to get was to keep street fighter 4 a 2d game and to get the feel right the feel is so important to to street fighter and uh yeah i think you know four four for me maintained it brilliantly and i think having played ultra for the last week or two it's they've absolutely you know it's like you know the coolest version yet sort of thing even as a non-expert and the other thing we should mention about hd remix is that it as well as you know you josh you were saying about um you know it's customizable it's customizable actually for for the hardcore players in the most comprehensive way possible in that i think there are eight pages of dip switch settings um which can alter the game to yeah to make it play like any um any previous version i think that's the that's the key thing so you can basically turn bugs on and off from previous versions or 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 moves that damage other moves and priorities and all this stuff you can if you're into this stuff you can go in there and and actually you know really mess around with it to your heart's content which even if it's only a tiny percentage of users who do that I think it's fantastic that it's in there serving that market um, time is of course I knew this would be a long one running away from us um, this will be under two hours in the edit but uh, we should hear from a few of our forumites before we go starting with uh, Josh and Andy Kurosaki's. so Andy Kurosaki says still remember the first time I saw Street Fighter 2 in the arcades it was the first fighting game I'd noticed, and it really stood out. Several pound coins later, I was hooked. Picked up the SNES version when that came out. The iconic characters, the brilliant music, and the combat system combined to make one hell of a good game. My favourite session of it would have to be in an arcade in Akihabara, Japan, about six years ago. Amongst all the latest fighting games, they had several Street Fighter II machines. Rather than the Western cabinet configuration, you play, sat down, with your real-life opponent sat at the machine in front of you. I'll gladly admit I've never been a 30-hit ultra combo master, but I can throw a few moves together. By now, me and my friends thought we're experienced with Street Fighter II. We should do okay. Couldn't have been more wrong. Each of our opponents took us to school, barely giving us a chance to get a hit in. When you did get one, 
Then they upped their game even more. On defeat, we all thanked our opponents and said the equivalent of good game, and they thanked us back. It was a fun experience. Can't beat playing it in a Japanese arcade. Sean, you take Robotic Monkeys. Robotic Monkey says, Street Fighter 2 Turbo on the SNES, spending ages trying to put in the code to increase the speed even more, then proceeding to have Ken vs. Ryu fireball battle until there was a quarter circle blister on my thumb. Also on the SNES, there was always someone who got themselves a turbo controller and 100 hands slapped their way across the screen. Uh, happy memories of early gaming. Um, Dan, do you want to read uh, Mike Leddy's? Yeah, cool. Is the game entirely responsible for why video games are such a significant hobby of mine? If Street Fighter 2 had never existed, I'm fairly sure there would never have been another door down the road. Oops, sorry. <laughs> the opposite. If Street Fighter 2 had never existed, I'm fairly sure there would have been another door down the road. But in all honesty, what a door to choose. If there's a version of Street Fighter 2 that I haven't owned, then I'd love to know about it. But like many, nothing ever beats that first impression of playing the game in the arcade. There's simply nothing about the game that I view as a negative. Being extremely picky, I could say the Game Boy version was poor. The music's so high up my list of favourites that barely any other games get a mention. The graphics remain timeless to me. The animations and general details to the stages can be vividly recreated by just closing my eyes. The character design left not a single dud in its ever-expanding roster, until possibly Super, and even then they've grown on me since. The original version of Street Fighter 2 with a smaller roster made me want to know the stories of the characters inside out, and the design was sublime. Seeing Eliza pop up on the screen, or the Russian president arrive by helicopter and experiencing brilliant additional music was the tip of the iceberg. All the while it's been a rollercoaster for multiplayer. I have friends that sadly have no interest in games anymore, picking up the newer systems just to play a game online and recreate those matches, where thanks to the internet we no longer have black and bruised arms from winning too many times at the game. Sadly, there's a bleak spot in my history with the games. It's the one time I played on maximum difficulty and spent three hours against Bison, only to get so irritated I threw my SNES controller at the screen so hard it's impossible to know that nothing was damaged. It's the single time I've ever done such a stupid thing, and probably indicative in its own strange way of what this game means to me. (laughs) Perfect! Yeah, I'm sure we've all had a few pad-throwy moments. (laughs) There there are definitely times when I I want to love the game, but I'm actually hating playing it. Um... It, and that can be against AI or, or human opponents. Um, last word from our correspondence, thanks to everyone, uh, has to go to Rich Hoyle, a.k.a. Dom's Beard. Uh, he says, What more can I say? A great game that's been a regular part of my gaming life for over 20 years now through its various iterations. Would I recommend Street Fighter 2 now? Probably not with Ultra Street Fighter 4 out, but yeah, at the time, gaming perfection that changed the arcade and the beat-em-up game forever. True enough. Now, from Twitter, at Kane Rince, uh, some quick three-word reviews. Starting with Dan. Okay, Robotic Monkey says, round one, fight. Anders Russell says, in every takeaway. You died, says, quarter circle, forward, punch. Glenn Watts says, downright fierce. Andy Pity says, expensive Mega Drive version. Dastardly Jabby says Super Nintendo Perfection. Mike Ledwood says Terrible Box Art. That's obviously aimed at the Western versions. Mike Dixon says Love Guile's Theme. And Electric Skeleton says Blank as a... (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, so note to Des editor, if you could insert either a blanker roar there or uh, or a fireball noise or a hadouken <laughs> or something. Pre- a blank, blanker noise would be good. But um, So to summarise, it's weird because obviously this um, series, you know, kind of rolled into lots of other things and many other games and there's so many options now. And, um, you know, there's one very obvious Street Fighter option to play today. Um but just see if you can sum up what Street Fighter 2 meant to you, if it still means anything, um, and what, if any, of the series would you encourage people to play now, given that hardly anyone I know is actually playing fighting games at the moment. <laughs> Josh? So, uh, Street Fighter 2 is a, a game that I've only really had uh, recent experience with, with its uh, uh, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix Edition. And if I was going to recommend any version, I have gone back and played previous versions, but if I was going to recommend any version, it would be that one. It just seems to be the most complete version, and uh, it doesn't seem like many people are playing online based on what Leon has said, but I'm sure if you found a few friends um, and you you convinced them to buy, I'm sure it's cheap. Um, It's been on sale before. I'm sure it will go on sale again. Um, uh, you, you'll have a lot of fun. I I think it's more accessible than Street Fighter Four. Um, Street Fighter Four is also a fantastic game, but I think um, the um, amount of things going on at any given time in that game, for me personally, can drive me crazy. Whereas <laughs> this, I could wrap my head around. Um, ultimately, I, I think I love the games at Street Fighter Two. Brought about more than Street Fighter 2 itself. Um, I love games like Tekken 2 and Tekken 5, which I appreciate are maybe not as uh, technical as uh, Street Fighter 2, but that is about the level of fighting game I can handle most of the time. And, um, and I love those kind of games. And obviously, I love the way that Street Fighter 2 has influenced the culture around video games. You can't be interested in this hobby and not know what a Hadouken is or what have <laughs> you. It's, um, and the, and the, the characters are so iconic and the music as well. Um, yeah, um, Street Fighter 2 is a series of games that I appreciate more than I love, ultimately. Thanks, Josh. That's interesting, obviously. Yeah. Um, coming from it from your perspective of uh, not being there when it when it started which is obviously going to be different for me um sean whereas you come from the point of view of uh, you were there at the start mm-hmm. but uh, it faded away yeah. so how would you conclude well uh, you asked like what street fighter means uh, to us and for me it means the arcade um this whole recording has made me like super nostalgic for uh, the arcades in general and just the excitement that came from being in the arcade and I'm going to do something a little different, but like, so yes, I totally recommend anybody plays street fighter two in any way that they can. But, uh, what I wanted to kind of do here was see if you guys could help me figure out this, uh, this lifelong mystery that I've had uh, ever since Mm -hmm. I was young. So, uh, I was at a hotel with uh, my friend and his mom and I went downstairs to the little tiny arcade that they had, uh, they had just a couple machines, and there was a Street Fighter 2 machine, and there was some guy there standing there playing it. And I was like, uh, like 12 maybe or so, I don't know, it was really, but he was significantly older than me, probably in his mid-20s or so. Um, and he was playing it, and uh, he, he had lost whatever battle he was doing, and uh, the countdown screen comes on, you know, 10, 9, 8, and um, 
I noticed he had like 10 credits left. And it's counting down, counting down, counting down. And I'm like, what is he doing? What is he doing? Press start. <laughs> and he's in, and he's, he's just standing there watching it. So I got to two and I just reached out and hit the button. Start. And he's like, he turns to me. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, oh my God. And I <laughs> ran away. And to this day, I've never understood what he was trying to do. Do oh, you guys have any idea? I, was he just trying to speed run it maybe or, or like? No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do that. Yeah, all the do time. it on one credit, um, maybe like. with fighting games. Yeah, um, because I want to practice on the easier opponents. Again. Okay, all right. Yes, I, man, my whole life I've never understood, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like the 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 earliest memory I have of like embarrassment <laughs> or or something along those lines, where I was just like, oh my god, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> you know, but like, it, that, again, that brings me back to the arcade part of it, like that that whole social in person you know being there and, and it's just I don't want to say like the ar- arcades will never ever have a chance of coming back but I really miss that whole uh, culture and um, Street Fighter was very significant you know it's, it's the first thing that I think of when I think of arcades and so it's always going to be that kind of have that special place in my heart for it yeah Street Fighter 2 for me uh, I kind of I've kind of realized actually uh, preparing for this podcast um what a big part of my life it's been and even though I don't like I don't, I'm not somebody who plays it every day I don't you know I don't practice for hours on end at a time but I have played versions of I've owned like yeah dozens of versions nine of Street Fighter 2 um, as I say we're, we're try, I'm not trying not to sum up the whole of Street Fighter I'm thinking specifically about Street Fighter 2 um, obviously I did move on to, to Alpha and Zero and the Versus series and, 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 and 4 but Street Fighter 2 going back to it um, it's more it, like I say. It's more than, there is nostalgia, but it's more than that. And I, and I still find myself when I'm playing it, I still have the same cool feelings about going to these cool locations. You know, the jet plane and Ken's Harbor and these these tunes. And I love the cheese of it. Like I like the fact that this comes from a time when, as much as I I enjoy, you know, we talk about a lot of games with serious intent and that cover serious topics and we treat them very seriously on Kane and Rins. I love the fact that Street Fighter is ridiculously naff and cheesy in some ways you got people with stupid haircuts and stupid faces and stupid motivations and everything's very black and white maybe not so much in the in, in the canon in the lore and in the animes and mangas and things but as far as I'm concerned it's just this you know this bunch of cartoon characters really kicking seven bells out of each other and they're able to do magic moves um yeah, the fact that I'm still clutching this expert player's handbook 20 years on and I still remember the exact time I bought it and I'm still looking <laughs> at it for hints and tips, it says something about Street Fighter 2 and I still keep both versions forever installed on my Xbox 360. Uh, let's conclude with our special guest, Dan. Um, it's, as we've been talking about throughout the episode, I think uh, we've mentioned the feel and to me, Street Fighter 2 almost feels alive, like a complete entity. There's like a throbbing heart to it, like from the urban myths about secret characters and then sharing moves in the playground, that kind of thing. Right through to it still being played in tournaments today. And I think like mm. even the annoying inevitabilities, <laughs> like when you, get, you know when you get the wards of attrition with projectiles, hadoo, 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 they're all part of the game. And I can't separate the gameplay from the characters, from the music, from the stages, yeah. from the social element. It's like real bottled lightning stuff. Um... I think there's very few games where I can't see the join in that way and whether it was the high mm. point for arcades or mm. the beginning of the end I don't think we'll see another game quite like it yeah stands apart on a pedestal in, in some ways yeah absolutely brilliant stuff thanks everybody uh, Dan um, 
Yeah, um, I'm not on um, Twitter account. Or... I'm not on a podcast at the moment, but a couple of guys in my little sleepy Suffolk town do one. I went to college with them, so um, yeah, look up the VXM Video Games podcast. They're really good. Um, it's, um, it's like a yeah conversational podcast. Quite if you like long podcasts, it's one of those type of things. Give it a go. Um, they're nice. VXM Video Games podcast. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, iTunes, YouTube, all the usual places. Excellent. Well, thanks, Dan. You're very welcome on here any time. Thank you. And uh, it also just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Josh and Sean, and to tell you that next time in issue 134, you can join us for a grand day out as we blast off to the moon. Is that quite cheesy, isn't it? Anyway, Street Fighter. Bye. Bye.